Jeez. Oh, oh, hold on. Oh, babe, I gotta take this call. Take the baby, take the baby. It's about the donkeys. Hello? What? I'll give you a It is time to get in the Christmas spirit. How many of you guys are already ready for Christmas? All three of you. Good job. So proud of you. Actually, we hate people like you. I'm not going to lie. You know, if you're already done right now, that's very frustrating to us, you know. Actually, it's real simple, right? Amazon.com. Done. You know, like that's, isn't it great nowadays? Like you just sit in front of your computer and just go at it and just like order everything and then you're done, right? So it's kind of nice. Here's the great thing about having teenagers now. We just simply pass out the checks. Like here's your money. Here's your money. Here's your money. That's what you do as they get older, right? And so then they get to go on Amazon.com on their own and figure out what they want. So, you know, but it's crazy. Christmas is a fun time of the year. I love this season, but I'm not going to lie. It's also hectic, isn't it? It is like crazy in my home already. We're running around getting everything ready. And if you've got little kids, you've got Christmas parties to go to. You've got Christmas performances to go to. You know what I'm saying? Isn't it great how like your kid's in third grade and you have to go and sit through first through fifth grade to catch your third graders, you know, two minutes of glory. And so, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's kind of a crazy time. And then you've got the Christmas parties at work, and you've got to get ready for the in-laws and outlaws to come into town, you know what I'm saying? And then you've got, you, you have to get the tree ready, and then forget to tell you that your lights aren't up yet. You know what I mean? It's just all the stuff, even though we love Christmas, it can also be kind of a stressful time. So I want to say to you today, oh, come all you stressful. As crazy as it is, it's actually a great time of the year to stop and remember, why do we do this again? What's the point behind all this? What's this really all about? Or I should say, who's this really all about, right? And so today I want to encourage you to take on Jesus' burden instead of your own. Because his burden is light, as the scripture tells us. We're going to look at that today and we're going to kind of unpack that. Because I think all of us know how the Christmas crazies can happen, can it? It just gets hectic, it gets crazy. And, you know, I know your office is probably trying to close up shop, right? Kind of get the, get the you know, end of the year projects done, finish up your quotas, get the books closed out. In the middle of all that, try to get Christmas done at the same time, right? And, of course, the office is just like Christmas, right? It's so frustrating. You do all this work and the fat guy in your suit gets the credit. What's up? You know, the truth is, is that it's a crazy time, but it's also a time to stop and remember what it's really all about. It's about Jesus. The whole thing is about the birthday boy. It's about his birth and how it changed our lives. And so today, I want us to be mindful that as we unpack a topic I think we can all relate to. Today's message is called Overburdened. Maybe you feel overburdened. You just have so much going on, and, uh, and you just feel like, I I'm just stressed out because I've got too much happening, and I'm just overburdened. Or maybe your burden is you've got all that going on, the regular burden of work and all the stuff you have to do and all your regular responsibilities. And on top of that, maybe you're burdened by something else going on in your life. Maybe a relationship that's really bringing you down. Maybe a, a difficulty. Maybe there's a lot of debt load you're carrying. You're thinking, i got all this debt, and i got to have Christmas now? I don't know what it is for you, but many of us are carrying more than we're meant to carry. We're just overburdened. And so I want to talk about that today. I want to kind of unpack that. Thanks so much for being part of our services today. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. We love you guys and also our God Behind Bars guys. Let's give it up for those guys real quick. So grateful for you. I really am. 
many of those guys write me letters, and it's always fun to respond to them, and we just want you to know we love you guys, so proud of you and so grateful for you, but I really, I feel that way about all of our campuses, and so people say, which one's your favorite campus? My answer is the same. When I'm in front of them, I always say, yours is. <laughs> I love all of our campuses, truth be told, and uh, we really are one church, though, in many locations. So, hey, grab your notes, if you would. Let's say our mission statement together. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. You guys beat me to it on that one. Man, I had to catch up with you. I love that. You get the vision. You know what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Hey, take those notes out if you can, and let's unpack this today, how we can quit being overburdened and just worn out from all the activities, all the craziness of life, and then on top of that, the Christmas season. You know, Christmas is actually a very depressing time for a lot of people. I don't know if you realize that. Maybe, maybe you do realize that. Maybe that's something you deal with. But uh, d- depression runs high at Christmas time. Uh, suicidal thoughts runs high at Christmas time. And I think there's just so much of life that kind of comes crashing down on people at the end of the year and then also uh, add the holiday season, which sometimes reminds us of family, and sometimes that's not always good. That can be difficult for a lot of people. And so, you know, I really think we should be prayerful and mindful of that as we go through our everyday lives with people around us who maybe really are hurting, that we have an opportunity to be hope to people and encourage people and be there for them. And and so I want to encourage you to remember that as well. But I want to unpack this today. I want to give you four simple points about how you can quit being overburdened. Look what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. This is our key scripture for the day. We're going to go actually through Matthew chapter 11, 28 through, I believe, about 30. Uh, It says this, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, I will give you rest. Now, when Jesus says rest, he's not just referring to physical rest. Although I'm all about that Sunday afternoon nap. Anyone else know what I'm talking about? That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Now, my nap starts normally around the second quarter of the Texans because I get a little sleepy from the activity on the field. But that's a whole other issue. But no, the reality is, though, it, it, we, we like to get that nap in. It, it makes us feel nice, you know, and rested. You wake up, you feel better. But maybe you're like me that sometimes you get a nap and you wake up and you're still tired and you realize that the rest wasn't my body that needed it. It was my emotions that needed it. You know, everybody know what I'm talking about? You ever just been emotionally tired? You're like, man, I'm just, I'm tired of facing this. Maybe there's a problem you're dealing with, a, a wayward child, a difficult marriage, a, a friendship that's gone south. I mean, I don't know what it is for you, but we all have things that can just flat wear us out. So when Jesus says, come to me, you, those of you who are weary, he doesn't use the word tired. He could have said that. He said that weary. Weary means you're just, you're dragging. You're like, I'm just, I don't have the fight left in me. And so maybe you've been there where you're just weary. Maybe you're there today and you're carrying a heavy burden. God, Jesus says, I will give you rest. Exodus 33 says this, good little Old Testament in here too. It says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Huh. So it talks about his presence and some of you say, oh, well, that's like the presence of God, right? Yes, and that's also Jesus. Remember, they're all one. So people say, well, Jesus doesn't show up until the New Testament. No, he was all over the Old Testament too. When it says the angel of the Lord, who do you think that is? It's the very presence of God, and, and when the presence of God comes, right, they, people say that's a pre-incarnate Jesus. Incarnate means uh, in, the, in the flesh. So this is previous to the in-flesh Jesus. We have him in the Old Testament, too. And so when his presence shows up, you get rest. Isn't that good to know that? This is why coming to church is so important, by the way. Because if you do church right, if you, if you do church the way God intends it, then when you come, you're entering into his presence. You're entering into his rest. To where you come to church, maybe burdened, stressed out, worried about life, and you leave church going, ah, thank you, God, that you're in control. Thank you, Lord, that you're still with me through all the stuff I'm going through. And maybe the problem's still there on Monday, but you know what? I know you're with me, and I can handle anything if I've got the Lord with me. And so, isn't that good to know? He's with us. 
So please write this down. Would you, number one, being in Jesus' presence brings us rest. It really does. Let's go on. Look what it says in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Wow, that's a next level rest right there. It means that you don't just get a calmness in your body. You get a calmness in your spirit. That you're just, your whole mindset changes. You realize, you know, I'm, I may be facing this or facing that, but you know what? God's in control. Maybe you're facing a lawsuit right now. God's in control. Maybe you're facing someone really coming at you at work and you know what to do about it. God's got this. And so you can just find peace and know that he really has your situation under control. Number two, replace your stress with his peace. Replace your stress with his peace. Now, I notice the word yoke there. And, uh, you know, when we think of yoke, we think of like an, an egg yoke. That's actually not what this refers to at all. This is an agrarian farming term, which is something we typically don't do. Now, in South Texas, you still see farms everywhere. And so we do see farmers. In fact, our broadcast location is literally in the middle of farmland on every side of us. And so, you know, we always know what season it's in because you can just tell by the fields, whether they've already been picked and, you know, thoroughly utilized or whether they're planting something or, you know, you'll see the crop planes, you know, coming by and, and, and they're dropping, uh, you know, product on the plant so they can grow at a certain rate. And so, anyways, we, we kind of see that around here, but maybe you don't where you are. But, but what you don't see anymore are what we call like sort of the old school uh, techniques of farming. And one of those was to use a yoke. A yoke is where you take something and you strap two animals together so they can pull something heavy. Typically, that would be a plow. So there we have a yoke right there. And, and that's, I, I actually want to bring one of those out. So we, I've got a, a buddy on staff here. Aaron's going to come out and help me with this. And we're going to actually yoke ourselves together. How's that sound? Come on over here, Aaron. This is going to be great. So, yep, let's, let's strap ourselves up here. So this is a yoke. And so the, we two ox. Clearly, we're built like oxes. I mean, clearly. So two oxes would be strapped together, right, so that they what? So they can walk together, right? Because if you start walking at a different pace or a different direction, it doesn't, it doesn't work. I mean, hey, I'm going this way. Could you, what's, what's up? Okay, right? I mean, you're supposed to be in, in tune together with each other. Now, there's already a burden you have in life. There's already some weight on you, and that's normal. A job, responsibility, school, stuff you just have to get done, right? And so you already have a burden. But isn't it an added burden with someone that you're supposed to be walking alongside is trying to go in the wrong direction? That's an extra burden, isn't it? That's where we get overburdened. It's one thing to have a regular load, and there's nothing wrong with that. Don't, don't, don't get the impression that, oh, Jesus' burden is light, therefore I just sit around. No, it doesn't mean that at all. It says that he still has a burden, which means it's okay to carry stuff to have responsibility, right? I still have a mortgage to pay, still got car payments, still got a cell phone to take care of, you know, got all this stuff, right? But the reality is, is that if I'm going in, if we agree to walk in a direction and then one of us goes in the opposite direction, it's going to overburden us and it's not going to work, right? Or, or, or maybe you've been in the case to where, you know, you're walking in a direction and you feel like you're being pulled, right? You're like, oh, whoa, whoa, I don't want to go that fast, you ever, you ever been that way? Maybe you work is like that right now. You're like, they just keep throwing stuff at me. I, I don't know if I can keep up with this. Or have you ever had that one professor in school that acts like they're the only class you're taking? You're like, you know I have other classes, right? Like they just overload you with stuff, you know what I'm saying? Or maybe you've been the person who is, who's doing what? You're having to drag someone else along. Anyone have teenagers? Come on, come on. We're trying to go this way, right? You, you ever been there you're, where you're having to drag someone along? And so we can get overburdened. You guys give it up for Aaron. Aaron, thanks, man, for the help. I appreciate that. Thank you. Isn't it funny how there's so much illustration here, but, but Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. It's easy. It's light. 
So it doesn't mean there's not some weight with it. You say, well, it's not that easy. I mean, he's got oh, commands for us to obey. You're right. He wants us to obey his, his commands, but that doesn't mean they're overwhelming. More on that in a minute. But let's talk about these three yokes real quick, these three yokes that are heavy. What does a heavy yoke look like? First of all, the ABC here, A, is that your own expectations can weigh you down. And this is when you're asking the question, why am I not further ahead? Have you ever asked yourself that question and it burdens you like, oh, man, I'm you know, for all the single ladies in the house, I'm 25 now. Why am I not married? Why don't you have a, a serious date this weekend? You know, like, what's the deal, God? Because in your mind, ladies, you have a plan, right? And you're like, I'm supposed to be at this point in my life, right? I did not realize this, that when I got engaged, that after that point, Jessica took over. I didn't know that. She's like, yeah, I've had these plans since fifth grade. This, here's your part. <laughs> like, I didn't know that. I was like, oh, okay, I was unaware. Like, when we went to do the registry, I didn't know that. That just means I walk in, sign papers, and she picks out everything. I didn't know that yet. Now I've been fully domesticated and I understand how it works. I'm good with it. <laughs> so the truth is though, right, ladies, you have a plan in place. You're like, yeah, you're just part of the plan. You're, just, I'm just, you're plug and play, guys. I hate to break it to you. You just get plugged into her plan. That's how that works. No, because women have this natural clock built in them. They're like, I'm supposed to get married at this time. And then that clock really heats up when it's like, we need to have a baby. We need to have a baby now, right? You know, but that part, I was like, I'm good. Let's go. I mean, it's a, I like that part, you know. But that, you know, but then I got duped. I was like, well, I didn't know I had a kid later on. What's up with that? I mean, I was great with the whole getting pregnant, but now I have a baby. What do I do with this kid? You know, and so the truth is there's like a, we kind of have this expectation, right? Or, or maybe you say, man, I'm 30 years old. I thought I'd have this much money in the bank. I thought I'd be this far along in my, in my career. Or, or then you hit 40. Oh boy, that one really hits you hard. And then you're like, man, I mean, you get this thing called midlife where you're like, whoa, I thought right now I'd already be rich and retired, or I thought I'd already have, you know, at least this position in my company, or I thought I'd be further along. And so what happens, and maybe you had a setback or two, and you find yourself 40 and divorced, and you didn't plan on that. You know, you're like, I thought I'd already be further along, and then this happens, and that's not what I planned on at all. Or maybe, you know, all your plans went awry, and so you say, why am I not further? That's a common question to have, and that's a burden a lot of people carry. It's not uncommon. E even people who other people look up to oftentimes feel like, I know you, you think I'm doing good. I don't think I'm doing good. I feel like I should be further. It's very common. In fact, if you're any kind of leader, a, a leadership is also a sickness as well as a great gift because leaders are never satisfied. We're always like, oh, why isn't our organization further along? Like that organization or this organization, right? That's just, just the nature of leadership and even people who excel at stuff. You ask anyone in the NBA on a personal level when they're one-on-one, -on -one, there's no cameras around, they're going to say, why, why am I not LeBron? I know that sounds crazy. You're like, you're in the NBA. But I promise you, they're saying, well, pfft, why can't I be the man? Why can't I get the shoe deal? We all, it's just it's a comparison game. puts a burden on us. We feel like, well, why, why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? Why am I not there yet? So maybe you've got the burden of your own expectations. Or how about this one? Maybe someone or something is pushing you. This is when you say, I can't keep up. I can't keep up my own schedule. I can't keep up at work. I can't keep up with, you know, whatever, right? Maybe you have a sibling who seems to be excelling at something, and you're like, I, I, I tried. I can't keep up. I'm not as good as they are at this or that. That can be very frustrating, being compared to someone, even someone that you love. You ever felt like you can't keep up? I remember years ago, I had a job. I was 16 years old. I went to work at a summer camp. I'm imagining how cool this is going to be. You know, it's going to be so great. I had my lifeguard's license, so I thought, I'm, I'm imagining like myself literally living out Baywatch. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is going to be so cool, you know? 
And so, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't know I was going to basically be, you know, basically babysitting bratty 10-year-olds, you know, the whole time. And the other thing I didn't know is that, because they said, well, you're in lifeguard, but you're going to also have other duties. Well, I didn't know the other duties, I didn't know how hard they were going to be. And so I remember the day that there was, the pool wasn't open. They were like, oh, we want you to, uh, to, to do some weed eating. I was like, oh, yeah, I did that. I've done that for my house for years. Like, no problem. They hand me weed. They go, oh, you need to go change, put on some long pants. I was like, well, it's not that much, right? No, you know, you're going to need some long pants. Okay. So I go change some long pants. It's July, dead of heat, right, in South Texas. And I've got a weed eater in my hand. And I'm like, where do I start? And they're like, that building right there. So I start edging it. And I come back. And I'm like, I finished it. Well, we'll keep going. I was like, what's next? And they're like, the camp. And I was like, the camp. They're like, just keep going. So I look up. This is a 500-acre camp. <laughs> You're serious? They're like, yeah. So I found myself edging. I mean, my body shook at night from that edger. I was just like, <laughs> this is crazy. I, I quit. I couldn't take it. And so I remember I, I came in maybe a month in, and I was like, I can't do this. I quit. It was only like a 10-week job. It was just a summer and I, I, I quit at the campus a couple hours away. I drove back home. I stayed at the camp, and I drove back home. I told my parents, and, and you know, I said, I, I couldn't take it. I went and talked to my youth minister. They probably said, I don't remember exactly, but I'm sure they probably sent me to the youth minister. Like, hey, you should go tell the youth minister, knowing what he was going to tell me. I walked in. I was like, man, I just couldn't take it. I quit. Man, I'm just so tired. And the youth minister looked at me, and he said, get your butt back up and go back and take that job back. I was like, what? And I'm thinking he's going to agree with me. Oh, yeah, what a tough job. And he goes, Bill, you made a commitment. Go back and keep your commitment. It's one of the best things that ever happened to me was being called out. I packed up my stuff, drove back out to the camp, went straight to the boss and said, I am so sorry. I should not have quit on you. You know what he told me? He goes, we had a bet for how long you'd last. <laughs> no lie. He said, I just lost the bet. I was like, oh, I appreciate the confidence. I mean, yeah. And so basically, it, they knew it was a hard job. And I was stuck in it and I couldn't get out of it. My parents, my youth minister, they were like, you're, you're going to be a quitter or are you going to be someone who hangs in there? I didn't feel like I'd keep up, but God was using that in my life in a powerful way. I, I refer to that oftentimes when I think about now being the boss, the one who's giving out the responsibilities. When people look at me like, you want me to do what? How much do I have to get done? Right? Sometimes you just can't keep up. I've had to have that awkward conversation with an employee where I had to say, well, you're not getting the job done, and I don't know what else to do. I mean, I guess we can slow the whole organization down to your pace. And that's a really painful thing to say to someone when they realize, oh, okay, so everyone's running at this speed. Everyone's running at this speed. What do we have to do? We're trying to take as many people to heaven as we can. There's a sense of urgency there. We need to get going. I've had to be the guy that comes off like a jerk sometimes saying, uh, you got to pick up the pace or find an organization that's comfortable with this pace, but we're not. Maybe you've been there. And you've been the one being pushed and, 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 and someone's trying to get you, get you going. Or, or, or maybe this one, maybe your, your, your burden is actually different. Maybe you're pulling someone who's going too slow. And it's burdening you, right? So maybe it's your own expectations or maybe you're pushing someone, right? I can't keep up. Or you're being pushed, right? You can't keep up. Or you're the one pulling someone. This is when we say things like, he doesn't get it, right? How about this one? What am I going to do about her, Right? I mean, I, they just won't get out of their own way. That's a nice way of saying they won't do what I want them to do. It's like you want to go to someone you love and go, don't you know I have a will for your life and you're not following it? Right? This is when you discover even those that you love have their own desires and their own pace. Do. You ever tried to pull someone along? Anyone have kids? You know what I'm talking about, right? You, you ever have someone that you really love, maybe a good friend, 
and they just are making bad decisions. And the problem is that you thought you were going to walk alongside them, that you had yoked yourself in that friendship. You had yoked yourself in that family relationship. And so you're like, we're, we're going to go at this pace. And they're dragging. You're like, what's the deal? It's difficult, isn't it? Isn't it painful when you have someone you love, when you are more concerned about their future than they are? Isn't that frustrating? You're like, do you realize where this leads? And they're like, where? Nowhere. That's where it leads, to nowhere. You're going nowhere, right? And it's frustrating. You're like, please make better decisions. And then you begin to realize, I'm not responsible for them. Let me tell you something that will really set you free. If they're an adult, not if they're a kid, that's different. If it's your kid, we are responsible for our children up to a certain point. But I will tell you, at some point you start to realize with your kids, with your, with your employees or your friends especially, you're not responsible for people. You're responsible to people. It really is their life. And if they want to screw it up, they can. I know we hate to hear that. We're like, what? But, but, but they're doing this or doing that. I agree. I totally agree with you. But they're not going to get that until they do the same thing you and I did. They make the choice and then they fall. And that's when they wake up to it, right? Isn't that when it happens? Because that's when it happened for us. I look back and I think, how many times did my parents have to watch me do something dumb? How many times did, did, did employees or coworkers or friends have to watch me make a bad decision? And I think, how many times has God watched me do something dumb and he didn't sweep in and get me? protect me. He let me fall because that's what made me want to get up on my own two feet. It's painful, I know, but we're not responsible for people. We're responsible to people. Maybe you've been carrying one of these yokes for too long, and maybe you need to untether yourself and take off the yoke and be like, if you're going to make those choices, I'm here for you, and I love you, and we're still friends, but you're going to have to walk alone on that one. You're not going to pull me into it. Ever had to do that? It's painful, isn't it? Maybe with a family member, a coworker, you're like, guys, I, I, I can't do that. So if you're going to choose that, you just need to know, I can't be yoked to that. Be very careful if you, before you go into a business partnership with who you're being yoked to. See, being unequally yoked doesn't just refer to dating, being a Christian, dating, or, or marrying a non-believer, although that's a big deal. If you're doing that, you need to know that's not fair. It's not right. God does not want you to date a non-believer if you are a believer. Now, for those of you who, who say, well, they're a believer, Okay, well, are they walking at the same pace you're walking at? See, it's more than just a believer. Does that make sense? Like, I mean, it's like when, when I, one time I, there was a young lady walking through the atrium, and she was so excited to tell him about her boyfriend. I was like, oh, that's great. I said, is he a believer? And she goes, yeah. And I was like, that didn't sound very confident. <laughs> and she said, well, you know, and I, I said, are you trying to get him to come along? She's like, yeah. I said, does he know that? Because is that fair to him? See, we think, oh, well, you shouldn't date non-believers because it's wrong. Well, yeah, I know, but you're thinking it's wrong that they're an unbeliever. That's not wrong or right. They just haven't come to Christ yet. I would argue for them that it's wrong because let's be honest right now in the house of God, since I think we're in church, we should be honest, that doesn't that mean really you're not dating them, you're dating the idea of what you can turn them into? Is that fair to them? No. Like, I'm not your project. I'm a person. This is why it says don't be unequally yoked. And so we're not supposed to try to force our opinion or will on someone else. If they're not walking that way, you need to admit it. Untether yourself and move on. As painful as that is, 
It means God has a, another plan for you or for them, or maybe a, a plan for a different time. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm, I don't know every situation, but I will tell you this. It's not God's will for you to be unequally yoked. In a business relationship, a partnership, a friendship where they're not honoring God, you're, you're, you're trying to honor God, it's going to pull you down. They will win that fight and pull you into what they're doing. All my friends are doing drugs. Well, you're probably going to start soon then. Because if their yoke is going in that direction, you're tethered to them. You're going to have to untether yourself from them to be able to not make those choices. And so it's a harsh reality, but it, it, it's built for your protection. Here's the good news. is that You see someone really going fast and really going in the right direction. You want to catch that stem and try to hook them to that yoke and be like, okay, now we're going to go somewhere now. Right? In other words, like if I just make better choices in who I tether myself to, then that's gonna, that alone will lead me in a much better direction. So start walking in the right direction, and someone else is already walking that way too. That's how you find that person. That's how you find those friendships, those relationships. That's what God has for all of us. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 30. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I will give you is light. What does that mean? It means release your burden and stress to Jesus. Now, it does say that Jesus has a burden. Did you catch that? You're like, wow, that sounds bad. It's burden. It, there's a burden to, to be with Jesus? There is. It's just a light burden. In other words, there's always responsibilities for anything you do. And so what's that burden look like? Well, it says in 1 John 5, 3, loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. But it does mean keeping his commandments. So some of you say, well, it's burdensome, it's hard. I mean, I can only date Christians, that's really difficult. We'll begin to date a non-Christian and see how that goes. You'll discover what real burden looks like, right? I mean, the Bible says not to over-indebt myself. I'm not supposed to owe any man anything, but, you know, it's such a burden to not be able to just buy what I want to buy. Then go out and buy everything you want to buy and see if there's any burden with that. Then you'll discover, oh, his burden really is light, and my choices are a heavy burden. His choices or my choices within his guardrails are light. But when I go outside his guardrails, outside of his protection of his commands, wow, that's heavy. In fact, David put it this way when he did that. Psalms 34, verse, uh, verse, excuse me, Psalms 38, verse 4, my guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins. Wow, what a description. He's like, I screwed up again, and now I'm paying the price. There's much more burden outside of the light burden of just obeying Jesus. Release your burden and stress to Jesus. But that does mean that we need to obey him. This is why the way you do that first is to come to him in repentance and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I haven't been following you, and I want to follow you. I want your burden. I've got enough burden of my own. I want to, I want to exchange the burden for my sin for the light burden, the, the light load of following and trusting you. It's much easier to do that. Release your burden and stress to Jesus. Let's go to the Christmas story real quick, can we? One last scripture I want to share with you is from the wise men. These are wise men who literally walked hundreds of miles to go find the Savior. They wanted to find this newborn Savior. It says in Matthew 2, verse 11, when they found him, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, those aren't gifts we're accustomed to. Gold, we, we know about that one, but frankincense and myrrh are, are not things we're accustomed to. But, but those represent frankincense is something you give a king, and myrrh represents death and burial. Did you know that? Myrrh is, is actually a scent that you put on a dead body. So this was actually prophesying why Jesus was born was to give his life. But they brought these expensive gifts. And so, you know, next week we're doing a special offering where we bring our expensive gift to God. Just like the wise men did. And if, if figured if it's good enough for the wise men, then it should be good enough for us 2,000 years later. 
that people who are still wise bring offerings to the Lord. So next week we're going to be doing that. In fact, uh, if you, many of you, many of our leaders across all of our campuses have been invited to a dinner this week uh, that we'll be having at all of our different campuses just to kind of share the vision of what we're going to do with that offering very specifically. If you did not get an invite, uh, it, there could have been a cross, uh, it could have been a mistake or something, but we tried to mail out invites to those who can, that we can see consistently, regularly, either give or serve or both. Uh, to the church. If for some reason you, you did not get an invite, it may mean you're just kind of new and we didn't, nothing popped up on our screen as far as um, the uh, database we have. But if you, or there could have been mixed up. If there is, just go to your campus pastor say, I didn't get invited. And they're going to write then and there say, well, then come on. We'd love to have you. And so you self-identify as a leader, but we'd love to have you for that. But, but I, I just want to tell you uh, next week as we bring our offerings to the Lord, a special offering that we're going to give to God, just like the wise men did. They prepared for it, planned for it, brought it with them. And so it was, it was actually a big deal to honor the Lord like that, just like we want to do this Christmas season as well and to honor the Lord with our all things new offering. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do that next week. But I want to point out something that we noticed at the very beginning of this verse, and maybe you've never done this, or maybe it's been a long time since you've done this. And so I want to invite you. We're going to do something together right now across all of our campuses that's really just going to be a cool moment that I believe maybe God has maybe God be saying to you and I, it's been a little too long since you've done this. And so notice it says that they, they walked in, they saw Mary, they saw Jesus, and they bowed down and worshiped him. If you can physically, not everyone can, and I understand that. I've got a back issue, so I really do get this. But if you can physically, I'd like to invite you to get on your knees with me. We're just going to bow right now across all of our campuses before the Lord. Let's just kneel before the Savior. You don't have to, and we respect and love those who can't. We understand there's some physical limitations. It's okay. You can be bowing in your heart. That's all right. But as we do this, maybe you grew up in a tradition that this was part of service for you was to have a time where you bow and get up and stand and bow and get up and recite this. That's not what we're doing today. There's nothing wrong with that, and maybe you even miss some of that. Or maybe that it becomes so routine that you don't like that anymore. That doesn't mean there's not a proper time to bow before the Lord. I've never stood before an actual king, but if I did, I have a feeling I would get low just to honor the majesty of who I'm in front of. That's what bowing does. That's why these men bowed before Jesus. Even a baby, they realized this is not a normal baby. This is, this is the child of God. This is the king of kings. They got on their knees. So I just want to encourage you, if you've been stressed, you've been carrying a burden lately. Maybe we talked about your burden today, or maybe we didn't, but you know what that burden is for you then this is what I want to encourage you to do right now. I just want to encourage you to, as you bow, just to palms up, put your hands in front of you, in front of the Lord today. And you can pray this simple prayer. And it doesn't have to be said out loud. It can just be something you just honor the Lord with and just say, Jesus, I'm giving you my burden. It's too heavy for me to carry alone, Lord. I just have to trust this with you. I have to trust this person with you. I got to trust this job, this situation, this this difficulty, this addiction, this debt load, this legal issue, whatever it is, palms up means you're, you're giving it over. Say, Lord, please take this from me. I don't know what to do anymore. I've tried. And I'm just war weary and I'm worn out. So, Lord, I give you my burden. Doesn't mean that you don't have to face issues still. Doesn't mean that there's not something that's still there you got to deal with but it means you're not carrying it now. You give it to the Lord. Then if you'll turn your palms over, you can put your hands down by your side, and this is where you say to the Lord, now, Lord, 
fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your presence. I trust in you, Lord. The Bible says where two or more are gathered, and I'm pretty sure we got the numbers on that, that your presence is there also. So Holy Spirit, fill me now. Give me your power and your wisdom. I find rest for my soul today. I've given you my burden, and now you've replaced it with your power, your presence, your wisdom. And maybe your prayer today is just to say, Lord, I just miss you. I miss getting on my knees. It's been too long. As you're on your knees, you know, it's great that we all have a portable altar called kneecaps. To say, God, wherever I'm at, I can just get on my knees. Sometimes I close my office door and get on my knees when I'm overburdened. Sometimes I get out of my bed and just kneel beside my own bed like I did with my children when they were little. Sometimes I say, Lord, I'm the child today. I need you, God. I lean on you now. In this moment, I believe the Spirit of God is ministering to people. And he's saying, take my yoke upon you. It's easy. My burden's light. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you that whatever I've been dealing with, whatever difficulty, Lord, you've been there all along. I've been carrying something I wasn't meant to carry. That's your job. My job is simply to obey. So I obey you now, Lord. Forgive me for trying this on my own. I give it to you. I trust this situation in your hands. And I just want to now tether myself to you and walk with you. Wherever you go, lockstep, I'm going to be with you obeying your every word with your head bowed and your eyes closed if you never trusted Christ before if you've never received Christ you can pray this simple prayer and receive him right now we're going to pray this out loud together you can say dear Jesus I realize I need you thank you for dying on the cross for me you paid the price for my sins and you rose again please come in my heart I repent of my sins I make you my Lord and my Savior. If you just prayed that prayer and Christ has come in your life, but maybe you're already a Christ follower, and maybe your prayer today is just to say, Lord, thank you, God, that in this physical act, I have prepared my heart to trust you. And so I give you that burden, and I leave it here at your altar. And Lord, today, as I get up, I know I'm walking in your confidence, in your presence, and your spirit is with me. I thank you, Lord, that I'm no longer overburdened, but I've given it to you. Your shoulders are wide. You can carry it. And I thank you, Lord, that you're there to help me. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Wow. Wow. Can we just give God a hand for his goodness today?